You're my prince of peace and I will live my life for you. It's easier to say and to sing, right? Okay, let's all stand. We gotta stand. Look, it's, it's after 11 o'clock. Okay, put your hands up in the air. Pretend like you're a Pentecostal. Okay, shake them around. Okay, okay, good. Get the wiggles out. Okay, you may be seated. We're going to stand right back up again here in a second. So turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. Look, this is, church is so interesting because it can be such habit forming that our minds never have to engage the whole time that we're here. My prayer is that to this morning, your mind will have to engage. There's many ways that we do this. One is by having the text in front of you. You didn't bring your Bible to church. It's like not taking your books to school. You're not praying on learning anything, right? Okay. And so, as I'm reading through, some preachers will make things up. So I want you to be be on task. That I don't make anything up. Take it from the text. John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John's Gospel, chapter 19. Oh, I thought I had a foreign version. That was upside down. John chapter 19, we're going to start reading in verse 31 of John 19. So let's all stand now that we're awake in honor and reverence. Keep your hands down with God's word so that you can read it. We have got uh, an interesting text to go through today. So this is God's word, and every time it is read, we're going to have to make a decision concerning it. Jesus Christ has just died. He has just cried it is finished and john brings us in at this point he says then the jews because it was the day of preparation so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the sabbath for that sabbath was a high day asked pilate that their legs might be broken that they might be taken away so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you also may what? For these things came to pass to fulfill the scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. And after these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen wrappings with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Would you bow in prayer with me? Father God, 
we offer up your word to you. That may seem silly, but Father, we pray that as we receive it, and as it goes through us and we lift it back to you, that it will change us. Father, I pray that we are fertile ground this morning for your spirit to work. May we understand the glory of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you've ever witnessed an execution. When it's carried out, the person that is walking to the electric chair or to the room where they will get the lethal injection, they always cry out, dead man walking. Meaning, he's as good as dead because he's already been sentenced. We're just carrying it out. Well, I titled this Dead Man Talking. Now, we all know that dead men, you watch The Sopranos, you know, dead men don't talk, right? Well, I want to offer you a dead sermon this morning. You said, I've been through a lot of those, Brother Dan. I want to tell you this. This is a dead one. Everything in it's dead, but there's hope at the end. And I want you to listen. I want you to, to bring this to your attention before we even get started. It doesn't matter whether it's a dead sermon, whether it's boring. I'll do my best to make it not boring. However, you will leave here with what you expected to get from here. If you expected to come and get some religion, you will leave here feeling better about yourself and thinking that you did something great today. If you came here to meet with God, that can happen also. But it's going to happen by you and I submitting myself and yourself to him and dealing with our own sinfulness. That's what's going to happen. So the choice is up to you. I do pray that you will make the right choice. John here is focused on the lifeless Savior. It may be the lowest point of human history. Here is a man who was like no other man, lived his life like no other man, and now he's dead. I don't know if you've ever been at a funeral looking at the casket and you're thinking, where's hope? There's been several times in my life where I've looked down and thought, how bad is this? But now we've got a man who claimed to be God, and now he's dead. There's books that are out right now saying God is dead. Let me tell you something. God's not dead. God is alive. If we're going to learn through the short time that Christ was in the tomb, that even while he is dead, his dead body is preaching a message of hope to each and every one of us. So you ready? Have you ever heard this? I want you to raise your hand because I want to get some participation. How many of y'all have ever heard, this is a gospel preaching church, in any church, not just this church, but a gospel. That we're going to talk about the gospel today. Now, only that's very few. I'm surprised. Gary, okay, I'm, I'm going to note that. 
What is the gospel? I want to share this with you right off the bat. We're going to learn what the gospel is. I'm sure some of you know, but it's really quite simple. The word gospel just means good news. And let's bring up 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read this to you, but I want you to examine it. Right before Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, he states this. This is what you had preached to you. This is what you received from God. And this is how you stand life. You ever got to the point where you don't think, I can stand another flipping day of life? He's saying, this is how you stand. And then he goes on to say, and this is how you have been saved. So you think it's important. That's pretty big buildup for what he's about to say. You ready? Here it goes. For I delivered to you as of what? Think it's important? He says it's numero uno. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. It was prophesied and it was fulfilled. What else? That's the part that gets neglected, right? We don't talk about that much. We say Jesus died and he was rose again. But today we're talking about when he was dead. And I think we miss something great when we miss the burial. What's it go on to say? And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to twelve. Did people see him after he rose from the dead? Yes. Yes, he did. Now, when the gospel is preached... That's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's a divider to people. It is. People generally don't go away and go, that was a pretty good story. They either go, I hate that man, or I love him. There's something happens by God's grace. You see, all of us are born blind. The Bible says, you say blind to what? I can see, fine. No, we're blind to the glory of God. We're blind to see how wonderful he is. We're even blind to see how important the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is. We just don't see the importance of it. But the Bible tells us something interesting. If you you go over to 2 Corinthians 4, we're not going to turn there. But you can look at 2 Corinthians 4, 6. It says that when the gospel is preached, it's like a light being shined. Shown, that's the word. A light being shown on all of us of the importance of Jesus Christ. And so we've got an opportunity this morning that if you will allow God to work in your heart, you'll be able to see the significance of Jesus Christ. But if you're hearing you say, oh, I think this is all a bunch of blown, you'll leave here the same way that you came. No, that's a lie. You won't leave here the same. You see, because you will either get softened in this service or you will get hardened to the gospel. One or the other will happen. Now, are you ready? Okay. Hope's ready. I heard it. Okay, y'all ready? Let's practice. Yes, we're going to say yes. One, two, three. Okay, look, please fight it of just letting your mind run in neutral. Think. Through this even at his burial when all hope seemingly is lost jesus is still showing us the truth when jesus said it was finished it wasn't that his life was finished he's saying what's finished is my testimony i'm getting off the witness stand at this point you know enough you know enough to make an informed decision about me no more 
Each one of us do. We've got God's word. We have enough to make an informed decision about Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at this sermon, even though it's dead, is going to have three points because every sermon, even if it's a dead sermon, has to have three points. We're going to forego the poem at the end because we got bigger fish to fry. I didn't mean to make you hungry. Number one, are you ready? Here we go. Number one, Jesus' burial reveals the symptoms of man's sinfulness. We tend to think, and we have this overblown idea that man is basically good. Way down deep inside, in the pit somewhere, everybody loves puppies. They want the whole world. We are the world. We are the children. Right? Don't we believe that? When all the evidence points that the world is hateful and wicked and cruel. You say, well, I'm not hateful, wicked, and cruel. Get behind somebody in traffic when they're not going fast enough and see how wicked, hateful, and cruel we can be. Let somebody talk bad about your grand youngin. Oh, oh, no, you didn't. Think about this. Some of the most heinous things ever done have been done in the name of religion. Think about that. Here we have the religious leaders. They've just crucified the creator of the world. They've just crucified their only hope for salvation. And now they want to break his leg so they can get the dirty deed done and go to church. First church I ever pastored. Look at there. Get the cobwebs out of your life. True story. I don't know why this came in my mind, but the guy was saying, uh, Deacon used to say, God, help get the cobwebs out of my life. And every time, he lived a pagan life, but he'd still come and say that every time. Matter of fact, it was during the offering. Lord, get the cob. And somebody yelled out after about 15 years of him saying that, why don't you kill the spider? <laughs> anyway. How do people kill Christ and then want to turn around and go to church? How does that happen? Does that cause you to pause? If you look throughout history at some of the most wicked things that have been done, they've been done in the name of the church, in the name of God. Look at their crusades. Man, they held people on racks and stretched them till they were pulled apart to say, give your life to Jesus. Are you kidding me?